welcome to a show where you will hear about how our liberty is being eroded by the very people that swear an oath to protect it. Today, the president signed a big new anti-terrorism bill that would expand the government's ability to track down terrorists, but at some cost. On this show, we will discuss many of the lies that the government, the government that hates us, by the way, we will discuss the lies that the people in positions of power and influence spread every day. And what is the best way to confuse children? Confuse them about their sexuality, confuse them about their gender, expose them to things that their little brains are not ready for yet. That is how they are confusing children. It is leading to chaos. And Big Daddy government, of course, can be there to pick, up, pick us all up and take care of us at the end of it. We will also talk about how current elected leadership at all levels of government has been corrupted by power and control, as well as discuss the types of leadership needed to correct our republic's course. We the people. Well, it's time to remember that we the people are the government. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now. I am your host, Larry Linton, retired U.S. Navy Command Master Chief and prior Tennessee House of Representatives District 12 candidate, and welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. Again, coming to you from the Goat Locker Studio here in Sevierville, Tennessee. We'll be discussing leadership this week. And we have a fine example of servant leadership joining us on the program today. As I mentioned last week, Mrs. Tina Tobin from the Tennessee Liberty Network joins the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast to talk about some of the things her and the group of servant leaders she is part of are doing over there in Sumner County. Not only in Sumner County, for the entire state of Tennessee. Tina is a fierce advocate for freedom and she has been instrumental in Tennessee Liberty Network exposing many of the governments, yes, the government that hates us, exposing many of the government's lies surrounding COVID and the vaccine. Tina also knows what it's like to take a stand in the arena and run for public office. Although unsuccessful in the GOP primary last year for a seat on the county commission, she has not let that hold her back from continuing the work necessary to secure the rights and freedoms of her fellow Tennesseans. Before we get into the interview, I just want to let everybody know I'm still working the details of an additional two interviews for this program. One with Mr. Bryson Gray, the wildly popular Christian conservative rapper, and the other interview with Mr. Ken Good, who serves on the Board of Directors for Professional Bondsmen of Texas. Before we break for the commercial and get right into the interview, I want to give a big shout out to all Tennesseans that were part of the effort that caused the Tennessee House Transportation Committee to delay for two weeks a hearing on the toll roads bill. You see, conservative advocacy for or against legislation does work. Keep up the work of calling or emailing the members of this committee while they are on their pause to, and this is in their own words, not mine, they are stating that they need time to breathe and will combat misinformation with the truth. Now, isn't that rich? They've been telling Tennesseans that choice lanes are not toll roads. Well, anytime you have to pay a fee to drive on a road, it's a toll road. Anyway, here's a word from the show's sponsor, Anchor.fm, 
And when we come back, we'll get right into the interview. Well, ladies and gentlemen, now that you heard the bio, I have the infamous or famous Tina Tobin on here, who's a member of the Tennessee Liberty Network. She And as I told you about in her bio, she she recently ran for the city commission, although or county commission, although she was unsuccessful in the primary. There was a lot of success in taking over the county commission there in Sumner County with more electoral seats going to conservatives. So, Tina, welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Uh, I hope your day is going well. Yes, thank you, Larry. It's an honor to be on your podcast. It's wonderful. <laughs> thank you. Again, thank you for coming on. So, you know, today's topic, we're talking about leadership and the type of leadership that's really needed, at, not only at the federal level, but the state and down into the county level in order to restore the citizen sovereignty that is the, the design of our constitutional republic. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, we talked about the county commission there in Sumner County. Can you can you briefly go into what happened there and what positive things that you're seeing coming out and the, the servant leadership that is being displayed by the people there now? Sure. Well, for the longest time in Sumner County, we had you know we have 24 commissioners and we had two that were excellent. I know a few that were okay, but, but the majority were just longtime cronies. They never met an expenditure that they didn't love. Um, so we would go to the meetings. We had a group of us and it just kind of built and built. And we just got so tired of watching the same two people, you know, make their case and wanting to be the voice of the people and reading things that we had sent them in their in emails, you know, how we wanted them to vote, and then just watching the rest of the commissioners vote in the full opposite will of the people. And we decided that we were going to run. Um, there's a group called the Sumner County Constitutional Republicans. And, you know, the majority of us were part of that. But there were people that, you know, weren't necessarily that were conservatives that were kind of involved in other groups. But we ran, I believe altogether, we ran like 18 people. And, um, you know, we had some who lost, some who were tossed off the ballot, different things like that. But we got 14 of them in out of the 24. So it was a tremendous victory. And um, even... Those of us that didn't win, like myself, um, I came pretty close within 19 votes, and I had the satisfaction of knowing that, you know, at least the person I ran against didn't just run unopposed, which is kind of the typical path for, you know, a lot of these local positions. People run unopposed. They don't have to knock a single door, and they just get in. So at least I knew that, you know, I knocked thousands of doors and, you know, the, my opponent had to work this time to get that spot. So that felt good. And um, and our commission has been hard at work. Um, they undid this massive boondoggle that our previous commission had um, voted for. They wanted to uh, renovate essentially this old barn in our town that's just been a, a pet project of the cronies. Um, it's not historical. It... Um, Actually, they wouldn't have owned the um, 
land right around the barn where there was going to be a company who's a big developer that would be allowed to um, you know, do blasting and have the mineral rights right around this barn, but they were going to spend millions to renovate it. And our commission, that was one of the first things they did was undo that. And, um, and they're working hard to you know, go through everything that the previous commission did that was fully against the will of the people and not in a wise stewardship of our dollars. And, you know, some they're undoing, some, unfortunately, you know, the bills are incurred and we have to figure out a way to pay for them. But it's wonderful that we have a voice with these commissioners. Absolutely. As I always state, there is a, there is no system on this planet so well designed to waste the people's sweat equity than the government that is apathetically let to be elected. So battling somebody in the arena, standing in the arena so that the, the incumbents don't have to just sit back on their laurels and count on the apathy to get reelected. You actually forced your opponent to either be more conservative or actually have to work to get the seat. I encountered the same thing here in Sevier County. You know, when I ran for the state general assembly, he was going to be unopposed. I mean, very rarely does a Democrat run in Sevier County. Because right. if they if they put a D after their name, they're guaranteed to not get elected. And you know, I gained a, a good percentage of the vote as an independent. But I, again, I I did the knocking on doors, but the apathy of the people just you know, especially with voting straight party line, that that that's going to get us in the end, and it keeps people in power that willingly take our sweat equity and they waste it on pet projects like that. I'm sure there is somebody somewhere that donates something in order to get the benefit for that barn being renovated. It's it, oh. If it serves no fundamental process of securing the people's liberty, it definitely benefited a politician's pocket somehow. Oh, it, it absolutely did. And I know, yeah, it's been a pet project for a long time. And every time it's revived as something different and interestingly they did at one point go to the public for a fundraiser and they raised about thirty thousand dollars so we felt like well that's right there there's your level of interest the public has thirty thousand dollars worth of interest in it not millions of dollars so it was kind of crazy but yeah and we still don't know the full connection there but we know that, you know, like I said, it's coming. It was going to be an event center. It was going to be this. There's always something great that it's going to be that will cost the taxpayers millions. Right. Yep. <laughs> there is, you know, the third party payer, which government ends up becoming. Uh, right. They, they don't, a third party payer is never concerned with cost because somebody else is paying the bills, i.e. the taxpayers. And they're definitely not concerned with quality because it's not personally for them it's for what they believe to be something in the public interest or what they're selling as the being in the public interest when it's really just benefiting their pocketbook in some way shape or form either through greater influence with a constituent or greater influence with a business sector that's how yeah. politicians are here working and in fact i had a nice little discussion on twitter i had a twitter battle the other day that was a uh, with Senator Frank Nicely, who, oh, right. who who's considered he's mostly conservative, but he was sponsoring the uh, the Senate bill, the companion bill to Representative Dale Carr's bill that was going to ease the restrictions on 
foreign workers and the businesses that had to pay for their vetting. Right, I saw that. And he was like, "Oh, well, you're 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 not in favor of foreign or immigration or legal immigration." I'm like, "That has nothing to do with the thing. Who benefits from that piece of legislation? Businesses and foreign workers. Who doesn't benefit is the citizens that put them there." So they, they they like to a put up straw man arguments, and such as or straw man something or other. Like, hey, it's going to be like you said in this barn is going to be a venue for this or something for that. In some way, shape, or form, it benefits the public. When in all reality, it never benefits the public. It benefits them personally or the people that they surround themselves with. It benefits them in no way, shape, or form does it fulfill government's primary role of securing the people's liberty. That's what government is instituted for. If we're, right. if we're paying money, third party paying money, so no cost, no, no cost consideration, no quality consideration, it's for something else other than securing people's liberty. Yes, absolutely. So uh, let's talk about some more stuff there. What's going on with the, I just read a recent article on uh, the uh, county commissions now forcing the school board to actually follow the state law on the divisive, corrosive, obscene, or provocative material in schools. How is that going? Oh, I mean, that's just been amazing. And we did have three people, three conservatives who got onto school board, but you know, we have 11 school board seats, so we've still got a ways to go there. But um, but even with those three, I mean, we are having conversations that we've never had before at school board meetings. And even though in the end, you know, our conservatives get voted down, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, we're seeing parents are challenging books and they're submitting it to our conservative school board members and they're bringing it up in the school board meetings and we're seeing just and hearing the absolute you know disgusting details of some of these books everything from really just straight up pornography to you know the idea that small kids should be exposed to the ideas of suicide and really you know murder and dark disturbing um, issues that you know children should never be exposed to and yeah there was a book um lawn boy which was i mean just so foul i mean when they read some excerpts at the school board meeting and at the county commission i mean adults are just you know squirming in their seats like oh this is so uncomfortable to hear this um you know especially in mixed company it's like wow if we as adults feel that uncomfortable how do the kids feel hearing this um so that was really the the one I would say out of all of the books, that was the one that got them to say, look, it's in violation of state law. Um, and even though that was brought up at this school board meeting, um, you know, everyone just kind of on the school board said, well, yeah, I, you know, it does seem that way, but maybe it isn't. <laughs> maybe there's some other interpretation, which I mean, the, the book was so graphic. There was no other interpretation, but I know they really kind of just let it go and pushed it off to a committee and, you know, didn't make a decision as a school board, which they should have done. So that's the commission does have their own education committee. And while they don't have nearly as much control over the 
school board and women like um then they can at least demand certain things like that they follow the law um and they can also demand that for various expenditures that the director of schools needs to come before them and explain why these funds are being used and that's the first time that you know anyone has ever said hey director of schools you need to come before the commission and explain these expenditures in the past they've always just rubber stamped everything and in fact our commissioner of education the last time i heard he's still refusing to come before the commission to justify various expenses yeah. so um yeah, it's <laughs> yeah definitely but, not an example of uh, true servant leadership there that's a no. definite <laughs> selfish leader i don't know what i mean it's so it it's nefarious when you look at it why these school boards won't actually serve the children and the parents they're serving some other interest be it a, a union interest with a NEA or the, you know, teach whatever the other teachers union is, or they're serving these curriculum corporations, but they're definitely yeah. not serving the people that, you know, entrust them with their children for eight, 10 hours a day. Yes. No, I know. It's really disturbing. And, and I think one thing that conservatives really need to work on that we really try to explain to people is when you talk to conservatives a lot of times if their kids are grown or their kids are homeschooled or go to um, private school they'll say well my kids aren't in the school so I don't want to you know I feel like I'm infringing if I go to the meeting and speak about this or that where the liberals I mean they are there on mass um, now if there's any um, questions that will come up about race. They hold up these books on white fragility while people are speaking. I mean, it's so, they have no problem jumping in there without having kids in the system. So I think they that mindset needs to change because we're all stakeholders. Uh, financially, we pay the taxes that support the schools. And of course, you know, that's our next generation, our generation of leaders. So we're stakeholders in that aspect as well. So I think conservatives really need to change that mindset. And, and we are seeing people that, I know I ran into a grandmother who was at one of the school meetings and she's like, I'm 73 years old and I've never been to a school board meeting, but my grandkids are in here and I want to know what's going on. So, you know, we are starting to see that build, but we're way behind the liberals on being active in what's going on in our schools. Absolutely. The conservatives gave gave up on that front in the in the culture war a long time ago, but we really need to take ground again because like you just said, regardless if you have children in school or not, I don't have any children in school. I don't even have a grandchild in the public school yet, yet, knock on wood. <laughs> but no, anyway, I've, I've already decided to homeschool my grandchild whenever it, the grandchild comes. But we do financially support all public schools in this country. Right. And even if we don't pay, you know, a large amount of property tax or say we're a, a renter or a conservative, we still pay federal income tax, which funds the federal department of education where a lot of this stuff is pushed down for, especially with these title nine rules that are going to force, you know, school lunch programs to go away or school breakfast food programs to go away. If they don't allow boys into girls bathrooms. 
So there uh-huh. is a financial stake in, in whatever conservatives do with regard to public education in our country. And then to yep. top all of that off, we just need to look at the what resulted in these last, the 2022 midterm elections, where the Gen Zers and Youngers voted in huge numbers. And these are the most recent graduates, you could call them. I don't know if they really graduated anything. But these are the people that have finished their primary education in a public school system. And they're voting for more of this stuff. Yes. So we lose both ways. We'll lose our money and then we're going to lose our country if we keep allowing the public education system to not only dumb down our kids, but make them completely no longer sensitive to sexually divisive and corrosive material. And when, when you do that to a child, when you make them comfortable or take away their uncomfortableness about sexual topics, that just opens them up for all kinds of, you know, grooming. It opens yeah. them up to mental health problems later on down the road, which we're seeing in vast numbers now. I mean, we got this transgender thing running rampant in our country and nobody wants to address the fact that it's a mental health problem they want to force everybody to pretend along with them instead of treating the problem so we have to take a stand or regain ground in this education debate yes we really do no, you know, I'm, and like I said, I think that seems to be the key is to just break people out of that idea of, I don't know, you have an interest in what happens in your local schools, you know, as a stakeholder, no matter what. It doesn't matter if you have kids in the system or not. Absolutely. So we could definitely uh, assume that the county commissions are now leaning more towards being servant leaders there in Sumner. But we still have to fight the Board of Education. Like you said, the way to do that is this: these conservative county commissioners need to start controlling the purse strings for the Board of Education. Because they control all the purse strings. They decide how much and what if of revenue from the county goes towards education. So they could just, they could hold their feet to the fire because there's nothing a liberal loves more than other people's money. It's true, but that's one thing. The commission is pretty restricted as far as the amount of money that goes to the schools. So that's where it's a little bit tricky. They can't just cut funding to the schools, but um, but they can, like I said, make them come forward and justify certain expenditures. So um, I know, so we do have that part, but that's why you know you'll still see that some of them would rather not go and not have to justify it, and then go to the next school board meeting and be like, "Oh, the commission didn't is holding this up, so we can't do this expenditure," because um, they know technically they have the money, even though you know they'll need to. They're being asked to justify various expenditures, so it's a little bit tricky and unfortunately you know they they have much more power than they've exercised in the past but they don't have you know the level that i would like to see for oversight and um it's kind of amazing how little oversight there is in in so much of government and everyone seems to take it very personally like our director of school so you would think he's being asked to do this horrible thing 
to justify an expenditure. And I mean, some of these are, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And in the corporate world, you're asked many times to justify really small expenditures, right? Like, why did you, you know, spend that much on lunch when you were traveling? And nobody thinks anything of having all that oversight, you know, out in the real world, but in the world of government, if you want to look at what anybody's doing, everyone is very offended. Yeah, absolutely, because they don't like being held accountable for the the, the third party payer system. They, they like don't. spending other people's money without concern for cost or quality. Yes, absolutely. Which which gets me into another topic where uh, I was talked about you before we came on about the uh, Tennessee now. In this recent article in the ten and the in the Tennessean states that Tennessee needs to invest more than nine billion dollars for educate K through twelve education infrastructure. Oh, it is crazy. I mean, we have like in Sumner County, we have a school that was just um, built that is like a palace. They just spent all this money. I mean, it has an indoor training facility because I guess kids can't, you know, go work out outside and sweat out in the summer heat. So they have, you know, all this indoor stuff. And yet we have other schools that have, you know, leaking roofs, have really bad problems. So we have that same thing where we have, you know, there's all this money in some areas and yet, you know, the really basic things like having roofs that don't leak and, you know, sewage systems that work properly or, you know, within the school, those kind of things are not happening. And, I mean, there was a lot of ESSER money given and all kinds of crazy things happened to get some of this ESSER funding, the masking of our kids and all of that. And yet we see money being spent. I know um, in West Tennessee, they spent all kinds of money putting new turf on the football field, things like that. And yet, yeah, we have all these structural things that aren't being done. And again, you know, nobody's held accountable. And they look at these ESSER funds like, oh, it's free money, free government money. You know, what? Let's pull out our wish list instead of, you know, let's pull out our list of priorities. The whole um, wants and needs, there doesn't seem to be a distinction in most of the people that run our school systems. Right, because, again, it goes back to government not not being held accountable by the apathy of the people, right? You, you just right. alluded to that. People are offended in government when we actually start standing up and saying, hey, what are you doing to not only secure my liberty but to safeguard or be a good steward of the money which you are taking from me to do certain things are you doing those certain things that are within the realm of you know constitutional authority or are you just doing things to benefit certain constituents or certain interests because that's really what it looks like is happening all over the country so that turf thing that you just said i guarantee you that the turf manufacturer or the company that sold the turf to that school district has a has an interest in whatever politicians did that vice improving the structure of the building. Right, absolutely. That's and this we just see over and over again, and you know it, it's so frustrating. I'm not sure. I think the Esser money was really one of the worst things to happen because it was such an 
inflow of cash. And yet it seems like the school districts, the mentality is like, this is extra cash that we get to spend on, you know, fun stuff and the money that the taxpayers are giving us. That's what we use to fund, you know, fixing roofs and doing these other things where um, the ESSER, they're not allowed to use it for um, expenses that are recurring. So they can't, um, you know, give like a salary increase. They could give a bonus, but not um, and something that's going to be ongoing. So it seems like that would have been the perfect thing to do some of these projects and repairs rather than, you know, just spending it like wild people knowing that, you know, they can still crawl back to the public like, oh, it's for the children. And you know, <laughs> it's, it's just a never ending cycle. It's so we could sexualize your children. That's what they want to do. <laughs> oh, it's awful. So what other uh, items you guys got going on there in Sumner County that would be interest to the to the listeners here or, or good examples of a of, of servant leadership in the in their county that others can emulate or that the rest of the state of Tennessee could take on board to to get rid of this wokeism and this garbage <laughs> well, that's I, happening. I think well another thing we have is um you know a lot of the counties there's so many different boards that citizens can serve on. I mean, there's not necessarily something that for everybody, but, you know, you do have a library board, there's different, um, you know, health boards. There are many different boards where they're allowed to have, you know, at least a few citizens. So we're seeing people getting involved that are asking to be on some of these boards that, you know, previously hadn't, you know, been active or, you know, even people just going to the meetings. So I would say that's our biggest thing. We have definitely, we encourage everybody to go to at least one meeting a month, whether it's um, county commission, city council, school board, but some kind of meeting, you know, each month, go to the meetings and let your voice be heard. And then, you know, if there's any, whatever your expertise is, see if there's some kind of committee that you can serve on. Um, you know, we have local pilots who, you know, didn't realize that we have an airport um, commission. So, you know, things like that. There are all kinds of chances to serve and really get us not only contribute to your community, be a servant, but, you know, get really educated on what's going on. Because I think until you're, either regularly going to the meetings or, you know, involved sitting on some kind of committee, it's, you know, you can hear it, but it's just very different to be right there and, and be a part of it. Absolutely. I mean, our country, our constitutional republic was founded upon citizen involvement in their own self-governance, but we've, we've given that up. And this is, this is why we have the government that we do have. Because hey, people don't want to be that servant leader to go in there and spend a half hour to an hour of their day watching what government does to you. I mean, we started here in Sevier County. A lot of parents or taxpayers, such as myself, because I'm not a parent of a school-age child, started attending these school board meetings. And lo yeah. and behold, what happened? We found out all the garbage that's in there. And then what happened after more and more parents showed up? Well, the school board directed that school district leadership start attending as well. Like a show of force is what right. I, what I explained. If they, if they fill the room, there's not enough room for parents to come in and sit down. But right. government is afraid 
of citizenship involvement. They've gone so far away from what their intended purpose was and accountability to the people that they they don't like it when we participate. So even just showing up lets government know that, hey, the sovereign in our country, which is the individual, is actually starting to pay attention to you now. And that's all the, if everybody just exhibited that amount of servant leadership, showing up and watching what government's doing, we would have a much more responsive government, I believe. Yes, it's true. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to fight it at a higher level, even the state level, because, you know, if you have 10 extra people show up when the legislature's in session, it's not like that's going to be noticed. But if you have, you know, some of these meetings, only two or three people regularly go. So even if you could get 10 extra people, that's huge. That's noticed. And, you know, we have ones now where you know, we're filling the room. So it's definitely noticed. Unfortunately, um, like I said, the left does seem to be better for the school board anyway, <clears throat> organizing the numbers. So, you know, we need to get conservatives really out there and, you know, attending those school board meetings because a lot of times it looks disproportional in the other direction because the liberals are so good at getting there. Right, because the liberals understood that part very early on in the culture war that if they if they control the children's minds, they control generations of actions in the country. And yes. 2022 midterm was a perfect example of it. I mean, everybody predicted this red wave that didn't even turn into a red trickle because of a 13 to 15% voting block of Gen Zers that were indoctrinated in this woke collectivism. Conservatives are not very good at being collective in their fights, but that is something we could, the liberals do very well and we could learn from that. Yes, definitely. I mean, and, and we do try to look at, you know, when they have their training materials available online, I, we try to, you know, say, well, what are they doing? And you know, what is their organization like? How are they so successful? Because we do need to duplicate that. And, you know, and we're on the correct side of this. We're on the side of freedom. So I feel like if we can just, you know, be more organized, when people hear that message, um, there's just way more people that want more freedom than, you know, people that want this full government control like the liberals are pushing for. Absolutely. Because a lot of these people think, if, if I just want to be left alone. As long as I'm left alone, yes. I'm good. But... A little does anybody real or very few people in this country realize this that government's involved in every aspect of your life, every aspect. So yeah. being left alone is an impossibility, and the only way to get to that point is by being involved. You could shut government down only by being involved. Being left alone is is no longer an option because government touches every aspect of our life from our very first waking moment to the even while our head is on our pillow at night, government is involved in our lives. So we're not being left alone. We have to wake people up to that fact. Yes, definitely. Well, Tina, I appreciate you coming on the show today. And uh, like I said, uh, when I, when I put this out, I'll let you know, but uh, it is important that people like yourself are getting involved. And then another key part of that for, you know, people like you, people like me and people like, like-minded people like us, we have to drag other people along to, to force them to get involved. I mean, 
make a dinner date out of it with some friends. Hey, we're going to go to the county commission meeting and then we'll go to Ruby Tuesday or whatever. But we have to get people involved. And if we you know, break the crust off their eyes to see how much government is involved in our lives, we could truly turn this thing around. Yes. No, it's true. I, I agree. You bring people out and I think they have this perception that, oh, you know, it's it's so complex. It's so difficult. And then they see what's going on in the meetings. And a lot of them are like, well, I could do that. <laughs> exactly. So. There is very little that our citizens can't do. And it only takes, like I said, sometimes it's it's a 10 minute email or a phone call or it's yeah. an hour of your time attending a meeting that government's convened. So it's very little time, but the the payback for that investment of that time could last generations. And we yeah. all need to get people involved. And people like yourself, uh, I, again, I thank you for coming on the, the podcast today. And I hope to have more you on more in the future. And keep doing what you're doing out there in Sumner County. Yes, we will. And, you know, anyone can do this in their county. It started, I think, with five people like four years ago. And now we have like over 200 people. So any county can do this. So do you have a website or a social media page that people there or people in Tennessee can to look at to figure out how to that they can get involved? Um, the main one, there's... Um, it's Sumner County Constitutional Republican. So it's sccr.org is the website. And then they do have a, a group on Facebook as well. So either one, uh, you'll see all the events and, and get a good sense of how we're organized. And you know, there's contact information if you're interested in you know, starting your own group. We do have people attend our meetings all the time from all over the state that just want to see what we're doing and figure out how to duplicate it in their counties. Well, good deal. I'll, uh, I'll hang that information up on my website as well. And again, thank you for coming on today, Tina. And uh, I hope you continue to take a stand in the arena. Uh, well, thank you so much, Larry. All right. Thank you. That's it for this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed this conversation that we had with Mrs. Tina Tobin. What I hope that you take away from that interview is that it does not take much effort to engage with elected officials. It doesn't take much effort to remind them who the true sovereign in our state and in our nation is. Government, and this is all levels of government, they're not leaving anybody alone. It is time for us all to step up and lean in with your fellow citizens and start participating in our system of self-governance. Before we close, we have this week's wisdom from God's Word coming to us from 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We all need to be examples not just to the believers, but the unbelievers as well. Setting the right example will draw them into wanting what we experience on a daily basis. They will want to know what we know. The same can be said as we deal with what appears to be a government that no longer wants to govern us, but to rule us. Standing in the arena, participating in our system of self-governance, showing our fellow neighbors that it only takes a bit of time and a bit of effort, which can pay huge dividends towards securing liberty for our children and grandchildren. 
Because like I've said many times before, government is not leaving anybody alone that is either just waiting for somebody else to come to the rescue or thinking that because government agents are not at your door that they are leaving you alone. Just look at your paychecks, your property taxes or the rent you pay, sales taxes you pay on everything, or even your gasoline taxes, which are supposed to pay for road infrastructure in the first place. Then, look at all that. Then decide if government is leaving you alone. Thank you all for listening this week, and I pray that you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.